This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 12th of April. In your Squeeze today, Vale Prince Philip. Cyclone Saroja makes landfall. More deaths in Myanmar. And two nights of BAFTA awards. This is your Squeeze today. You probably would have heard by now that Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh and consort to Queen Elizabeth for 73 years, died on Friday morning UK time. The cause of his death hasn't yet been announced, but the 99-year-old recently spent time in hospital after an infection led to heart surgery. Claire, we won't go into the life and times of Prince Philip. We've got a squish shortcut for that, which we worked up over the weekend. But we'll focus on the rollout of Operation Fourthbridge. Operation Fourthbridge is the code name for Philip's funeral plans. Each member of the royal family has a funeral plan named after a bridge. For Philip, it's named after the Fourth Bridge in Edinburgh, which is the city of his dukedom. In line with his wishes, it's not going to be a state funeral as much as the Queen wanted all the bills and whistles that that would bring to honour his life. He wanted something with a lot less fuss. There's going to be, though, a ceremonial royal funeral that will be held at St George's Chapel in the grounds of Windsor Castle with just 30 people in attendance. That's COVID affected. There would have been about 800 people go to that had it not been for those COVID restrictions. That's all happening on Saturday the 17th of April, so next weekend, which will be midnight Sunday our time. Prince Philip was probably one of the most well-known people in the world. Still, we've done a bit of digging to try to find some things you might not know about the Duke. He was the first member of the royal family to do a TV interview that happened in 1961. And Claire, he also described himself as the world's most experienced plaque unveiler. You can imagine that that was probably something he was pretty good at after more than 70 years of being part of the royal family. And then, of course, in his role, really, that didn't have any constitutional responsibilities but as the main supporter for the Queen. He famously said on a number of occasions that he didn't really get much out of going out and about sometimes, but certainly he was very good at unveiling a plaque. By the time of his retirement in mid-2017, Philip was 96 years old. He'd completed more than 300 official appointments in the preceding 12 months, so was really working right up to the end at a fair clip. He was involved also with more than 780 organisations at that time. So still a big part of public life right up until the end. Yeah, there's a lot to Philip, his life of service to Queen Elizabeth and what's next for the royal family. A link to our shortcut to Prince Philip's life and death is in your episode notes. There are cyclones that take their time and linger off the coast and then there's tropical cyclone Saroja that raced towards Western Australia's Midwest coast. It made landfall as a Category 3 system last night. Yeah, that happened at Kalbarri last night and recorded speeds there of 170 kilometres per hour, also some very heavy rain around there. Three hours later, it was downgraded to a Category 2 storm, which is still very severe and still bringing winds of certainly upwards of 100 kilometres an hour. What the Bureau of Meteorology has said overnight is that as it, as it makes its way past Geraldton, there's communities in that wheat belt of Western Australia that are now really under a warning for those high winds and for heavy rains. So lots of danger there. Emergency services are telling people to stay inside. 
Yeah, yesterday Premier Mark McGowan said it was like nothing we have seen in decades. Like you say, emergency services have been deployed to the region and evacuation centres have opened. After a fast and furious week for Australia and the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, Prime Minister Scott Morrison says the government won't be setting any targets for when all Aussies who want to be immunised will have had their first dose of the jab. He says it's not possible given the many uncertainties. Yep, once bitten, twice shy, certainly having a date that they weren't able to meet and then, of course, having lots of criticism last week about exactly what all of that meant means that Morrison said in a Facebook post late yesterday afternoon that dates aren't possible to set given all the uncertainties that are involved. There were already supply issues with the vaccine getting to Australia before we even looked at what the government had advisors said about the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Remember last week they gave the advice that the Pfizer shot is preferable for the under 50s than the one produced by AstraZeneca, which of course we have a fair supply of and will get more of in the coming months. Yeah, like you said, Claire, supply was already an issue with the European produced vaccine subject to export restrictions. That's something Trade Minister Dan Tian will discuss when he heads to Europe on Wednesday to advocate for greater global access to coronavirus vaccines. As for the opposition, Labor's Mark Butler yesterday said that the Morrison government should have done more to secure vaccines from more producers to avoid the current supply problems. Over to Myanmar now and another 80 people were killed over the weekend when security forces fired grenades at pro-democracy protesters. Claire, the killings embargo near the major city of Yangon brings the death toll to 620 people since the beginning of the coup in February. Yeah, really sad reports coming from Myanmar still about the escalating violence there. There are some experts who are talking more and more about the possibility of a civil war in Myanmar as those pro-democracy protesters and also armed wings uh, that are against the military there really stepping up their efforts to look at what they can do to get the military out of power. Myanmar's military has received strong condemnation and sanctions by Western powers, including the US and the European Union. But one country that has been more muted is China. And on Friday, the nation locked down its borders with Myanmar amid fears refugees would stream in to escape fighting, as well as concerns of growing coronavirus cases. Alibaba is the world's biggest online retailer, and it's recently been under the scrutiny of the Chinese government. Over the weekend, it was hit with a record $3.7 billion fine for what Chinese regulators deemed anti-competitive tactics. Of course, it's not that much in terms of its revenue. It earns a lot more than that over a year, as you say, as the world's biggest online retailer. But certainly the message has been sent. China has been really stepping up against some of the tech companies that are based in China or operating there for those sort of anti-competitive tactics. Uh, Also, what experts say is it's about the Chinese government being very concerned that some of these companies are growing in influence over Chinese citizens and it's looking to take them down a peg. Alibaba has accepted the ruling and says it will ensure its compliance. It isn't the first dealing between China and Alibaba and its co-founder Jack Ma. A few weeks ago, we looked into the history and what it means to run a business in communist China in a squeeze shortcut. A link is in your episode notes. Usually by April, Claire, the awards season is well and truly over, but thanks to COVID, ceremonies have been pushed back. 
Over the weekend, the BAFTA awards were held and like most over the past few months, it looked a little different. Yeah, quite different. They had to spread it over a couple of nights. Of course, when you look at what's happening in the UK and London, particularly, they're still very concerned about coronavirus there and there's lots of restrictions in place. So yeah, a very different awards. Of course, very different too, because it's President Prince William, who usually attends, had sent a video for his address this time. He had that put because of the death of his grandfather. But as we head into this morning, the awards for the acting and the producing ones, so the big ones, are just starting to trickle through. Uh, And, of course, though, Simone, there's a very important (laughs) thing that has already landed. Yeah, that's the Red Carpet Gallery, and I have popped a link to it in your episode notes. The BAFTAs are pretty much the last stop before the big one, the Oscars. That will be held on the 26th of April. Before we get to Squiz the Day, Claire, a couple of significant barriers were smashed over the weekend. The first female jockey won England's Grand National Horse Race. Rachel Blackmore is her name, and she's an inspiration for anyone who loved the Black Velvet books or movies growing up. And Claire, there's an achievement closer to home that's tickled your fancy. Oh, Ferdinand, the Indian runner (laughs) duck. I don't know if you know anything about ducks. I'm a real duck fan, but the Indian runner is sort of the white one with the yellow beak. So what you would expect in sort of any kind of book with a sort of representation of a duck. Uh, But he has won, Ferdinand, the first duck to win the Royal uh, Sydney Poultry Show in its 199 history. He won best bird in show. (laughs) Ferdinand is from Dapto near Wollongong. And if he can make it, anyone can, Claire. (laughs) That's my motivational talk for you this Monday. (laughs) Squiz the day, and as someone who has always been fascinated with space, I can't look past International Day of Human Spaceflight. It's one of those official UN days that celebrates the first human spaceflight carried out by Soviet Yuri Gagarin. That was in 1961. Uh, And for me to point out today is Ramadan starts this evening. That is on until Wednesday the 12th of May. We really know we're getting through the year when Ramadan is on. And that's all for us this Monday. Thanks for listening in. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. week our podcast is brought to you by aware super sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off but whether it's two years or 20 years away it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you aware super is one of australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement read the pds and tmd at aware.com.au.